First, I simply want to bring your attention to the title. You'll notice one sacred effort, and then to know Christ uh, that all may know Him. If you didn't pick up a copy of the sermon notes, you'll see that here on the uh, big screens uh, overhead. That, that first line, one sacred effort, that is the theme for this year's Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. Uh, the next uh, statement, to know Christ that all may know Him, uh, that is the mission statement of Edgewood Baptist Church. That is uh, our stated mission objective. And uh, as I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, I have suspended uh, our study of the book of Hebrews, and we'll pick that back up uh, the first of the year with all these special musical presentations. Uh, I, I just thought we would lose a lot of the continuity in that study. And so I thought it'd be best to uh, wait till January to pick that back up. And uh, so when we come back in January, we'll be in Hebrews 11. We've already covered the first 10 chapters of the book. And then we'll be finishing up uh, chapters 11, 12, and 13 after the first of the year. And you know I've been doing some uh, just uh, uh, thematic messages over these last couple of weeks. And I just wanted to emphasize this morning our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Now for some of you that may be here that are not familiar, let me just give you a little background uh, to the offering, and then uh, guys, I'll be going right into that video in just a moment if you'll have that ready. Uh, we are a Southern Baptist church, and uh, don't know if you're aware of the fact, but there are over 4,000 Southern Baptist churches uh, throughout the nation. And although in the Southern Baptist denomination, we don't have a hierarchy that tells a church what to do. We One of the uh, primary tenets within our denomination is the autonomy uh, of the local church. Uh, we do have a fundamental uh, statement of faith called the Baptist uh, Faith and Message, which is a wonderful, strong, doctrinal statement rooted in the Word of God. Uh, but again, uh, every church has the freedom to select its own leadership and determine its programs. But the w main area where our over 4,000 churches come together to cooperate is in the effort of world missions. Uh, we are the largest mission organization in the world today. Uh, we have close to uh, 5,000 uh, missionaries that are ministering worldwide in virtually every uh, country in the world today. And, uh, and every Christmas, we take up what's called the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that supports our missionaries as they do their work. And this offering is significant. Uh, I'll be emphasizing this a little bit later, but this one offering provides right at about 60% of the support for our missionaries. Uh, the national goal this year is $175 million. It is the single largest mission offering uh, in the world today. Last year, uh, we received a little under $160 million. And the wonderful thing about this offering is that you can know that every penny that you give will go to world missions, to support our missionaries. Not a penny goes to uh, overhead or administrative expenses. Every penny you give will go directly to our missionaries on the field uh, to uh, support their work. So I want to begin just, just a brief three, three-and-a-half-minute uh, video 
that uh, emphasizes our theme this year, One Sacred Effort, gives you just a little bit of a, a taste of our work around the world. So guys, you can uh, play the video now, and then we'll get into the message right after this. The story started long ago. God created us. He loved us and wanted to be close to us. Everything was how it was supposed to be. But we fell. We sinned. And no matter how hard we tried, we couldn't make it right. But that didn't stop him. He reached down to us. He sent his son. As the perfect sacrifice to save us. One sacred effort to redeem mankind. We are part of this effort. Going across the world to every tribe, every nation, no matter the cost. When we signed on the dotted line so we want to follow Jesus, that means we left everything behind. And that he is now my hopes and my dreams. We share the gospel, plant churches, and make disciples. Because we believe the gospel can transform lives and communities. We go to the people who have yet to dare. Sharing the story with them so that they can tell others. Multiplying the story of God's grace among all people. One sacred effort. It's just wonderful how we as a body of Christ can come united in one effort to carry the Great Commission throughout the world. When Jesus tells his disciples to be his witnesses, he's not giving a mandate just for that period and that time. He's giving a mandate to the church for all time. As the body of Christ, we're like an orchestra, we're like a band. Each member is so vital, so important for making beauty music. For over a century, churches like yours, working together, have sent people around the world through IMB to share God's love with those who have never heard. And if we say something out alone, then they would not make it. Because they wouldn't be able to stand. But if we say them out as a church, then they can stand against the world. 100% of your gifts go to helping send out your missionaries to tell the story. Too many times we get, get so interested in building our own kingdoms, but we've got to look at the bigger picture again. This is one sacred effort for all of us coming together to impact the world. And we've got to get behind our workers and support them. Let's make world mission project throughout the year to light up the Christmas offerings so we can support these efforts that are being all across the world. So we come together as one body. As, as one thing they call the God, God to touch this world. Jesus will smile us and will change this world for him. We are all part of one sacred effort to see people across the world proclaiming together at the top of their lungs that Jesus Christ is Lord. sacred effort, all of us coming together uh, to impact the world for Christ. So please follow in your sermon notes. Uh, uh, yes, Lottie Moon is about uh, giving financial gifts uh, to reach the world for Christ, but of course, 
um, it's much more than that. It's about us getting uh, involved personally. Uh, when Jesus said, go into the entire world, what we know is the Great Commission, uh, it's not the Great Suggestion, it's the Great Commission. And uh, that commission was given to every believer for us to come together and uh, share in this one sacred effort, this great uh, mission that God has given us. Look at Psalm uh, 67. I thought this would be a wonderful place to begin, verses 1 and 2. What a great prayer. Uh, and this would be a wonderful pray, uh, prayer for us to pray for our church, for our denomination, across denominational lines, and our efforts to reach the world for Christ. God, be gracious to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us that Thy way may be known on the earth, Thy salvation among all the nations. You know, we were singing earlier about God's blessing on our lives, but we need to understand as believers that God blesses us to what? Be a blessing. And we see this in the uh, earliest beginnings of the uh, Bible. We go back to Genesis. And when God uh, uniquely chose and called out Abraham uh, to himself, he told Abraham, Abraham, he said, I will bless you. But he didn't stop there. I will bless you in order what? To be a blessing that through you all the families of the earth might be blessed. So when God ever moves upon a human heart, to bring that individual to salvation. When he brought you to salvation, it wasn't just about you. He was thinking about a larger world. And he was saving you to become an instrument then to be a channel of blessing through which others could be blessed and others could be brought to the saving knowledge of Christ. Now, how do we do that? How do we practically uh, unite together uh, to impact our world for Christ and bring many to Him. Look at that first point in your sermon notes. We're to make Christ known through the pattern of our lives. We're to make Christ known through the pattern of our lives. By the way, some of our visitors and uh, new members that recently went through um, uh, the uh, fellowship that I do for guest new members, they'll recognize some of this because this is some of the material that we present to them to try to help them understand uh, the burden, the passion, the goals and objectives of our church and to challenge them to come alongside of us and join hands with us in this one sacred effort to reach the world for Christ. But it, this is where it begins. We make Christ known through the pattern of our lives. Uh, the dictionary defines the word pattern as a person or a thing so ideal as to be worthy of imitation. Now, beloved, there's only one person who provides the perfect pattern worthy of imitation. And who is that? Of course, Jesus, our Lord and our Master. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 there in your sermon notes. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God as beloved children. And of course, we can only do this as we know His power at work in us. But as we've been seeing in our study of the book of Hebrews, Jesus is in us. We do not lack any of the resources that we need to accomplish what God has called us to do. Uh, I love the way the uh, paraphrase, the message, uh, uh, puts this uh, simple verse. It says, Watch what God does. 
and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. It says, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, having an example, leaving, leaving an example for you to follow in His footsteps. I, I would suggest that you uh, underline or circle that word example. It's a very fascinating word in the Greek text. I've shared this on other occasions here in the pulpit. But in the Greek text, it's the word hupogrammas. Uh, the word hupo, or uh, prefix meaning under, and uh, grammas meaning writing. And so the literal translation is an underwriting. Uh, in New Testament times, the word was used of children in school that would trace over letters or words that had been previously written down by their teacher so that they could properly learn those letters and those words and how to write them. Now, folks, as believers, who is our teacher? The Lord Jesus Christ. And what are the words that He has written down for us to trace and learn right here uh, in the Bible, the, the Scripture. Uh, Peter is saying, just as a child traces over his teacher's written words in order to learn them, we are to trace our lives after the pattern that we find in God's words. We're not to be hearers merely, but what? Doers of God's Word. We're to become walking, living epistles of God's truth as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Romans 8.29, look how it reads from the paraphrase the message. We looked at this verse last week. Remember our cake message last week? Uh, being conformed to the, that we've been uh, predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son and how God in that process has causes all things to work together, the good and the bad, the yucky, <laughs> which are, are necessary uh, to accomplish His purposes in us. But in the message it reads, He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love Him along the same lines as the life of his son. Uh, I love this statement by Robert Chapman, who is a great man of God. This would be a wonderful ambition for us all to embrace. He said, seeing that so many preach Christ and so few live Christ, I will aim to live him. What a great statement. To make Christ known to the world, the world must see his life lived out in and through us. The Jesus that you and I communicate to others is not the Jesus we talk about. It's the Jesus whose life we live out. In other words, the reason we're emphasizing that we begin our witness by patterning our lives after Jesus is simply this. Before there can be a credible verbalization of the gospel, there must be a clear visualization of the gospel in and through the lives of of God's people. One man put it very well. He said, the best argument for Christianity is Christians, their joy, their certainty, their completeness. But the strongest argument against Christianity is also Christians, when they are somber and joyless, when they are self-righteous and smug and complacent consecration, when they are narrow and repressive, then Christianity dies 
a thousand deaths. So we make Christ known first through the pattern of our lives. So you need to ask yourself, evaluate yourself. Take a self-inventory. Who is your life being patterned after right now? Do people see Jesus in you, at work, in the circles that you run in, in your neighborhood, in your friendships, at school? Now look at the second way that we make Christ known to the world, and that is through the proclamation of our lips. Make Christ known through the proclamation of our lips. It's just not enough to provide an example, a pattern. God wants to take us beyond that where we look for opportunities to verbalize the gospel message that Jesus left heaven, came to this earth, died for the penalty of man's sin, and He rose again, and He's alive. And He's alive in me. And He's made a difference in my life. And I want to share with you about that difference and how you can know that same impact in your life. Now look at the Alpha and the Omega of Christ's teachings, the very beginning and the very end of Christ's teachings. Uh, the statement in Mark 1.17 are the first words uh, contributed to, to Jesus as He began His ministry. And He made the, the statement, of course, to Peter and Andrew. He said simply what? Follow me. Follow me. And I will make you become what? Fishers of men. Now, folks, have you ever thought about it, the fact that that simple verse that I know all of us are familiar with, it basically sums up the Christian life. In other words, you ask yourself, what's God's plan for my life? Follow me, Jesus said. That's His plan for you to follow Him, as we've just talked about, to pattern your life after Him to follow in His footsteps, the example that He has left for us. And, of course, as we've emphasized, we can only do that as we know His power at work in us. Well, that's His plan. Well, what's the purpose? Well, it's obvious. His purpose is for us to what? To be fishers of men, to catch men, to bring individuals to salvation, to see them uh, enter the kingdom of God, to see their lives transformed, never to be the same again, to be blessed by God that they in turn would be a blessing uh, to others. And then there's also what? God's promise. Jesus said what? I will make you. He's acknowledging we cannot do this on our own. So yes, my plan is for you to follow me, and my purpose is to make you a fisher of men, you cannot do that on your own, but I have the ability, if you'll trust me, if you'll depend upon me, if you won't let fear dictate your life, but you'll step out in faith with courage, knowing that as you do, I will back you up with the power and the might of the Holy Spirit that I've given you. Therefore, can you really claim to follow Christ if you're not seeking catch people for Christ if you're not fishing. See, I'm afraid that's what's happened in so many of our churches. We've become expert uh, keepers of the aquarium, but we have lost the art of fishing for men, of building relationships, building friendships, building bridges with lost people for the express purpose to share with them, to see them drawn to Christ. 
And then we come to, come to the very end of Christ's ministry, right before He ascended back into heaven to be seated at the right hand of His Father. He spoke these words to His disciples in Acts 1-8, there in your sermon notes. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be My witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Please circle that word, witnesses. Notice, Jesus did not say that you will be My defense attorney. Jesus is big enough to defend Himself. He did not say, you will be My salesman. He has the power enough to draw all men unto Himself. Jesus simply said, you shall be My witnesses. And what is a witness? We don't have to make this complicated. A witness is someone who simply tells what he knows and what he has seen. And you are an expert witness if you're a believer because nobody can be a better witness of what God has done in your life than what? Than you. And God just simply asks you to be that witness, to be willing to share with others what Jesus means to you, what Jesus has done for you with the express purpose of seeing those individuals be drawn to the saving knowledge of Christ. So as we're sent into the world, we are sent as Jesus was sent. And you remember what Jesus said? He says, I was sent to what? Seek and save those who are lost. And in John 17, Jesus says, the Father sent me, I've sent you. So if I was sent into this world to seek and save the lost, that's your mission. That's the one sacred effort that you're to give yourself to. So that should be our primary witness as a church family, as individuals, as we join with other churches, even crossing denominational lines. Look at Acts 20, 24. It's one of my favorite verses. It says, the most important thing. Well, what is the most important thing? It's that I complete my mission. Well, what is my mission? The work that the Lord Jesus Christ gave me. What is that work? To tell people the good news about God's grace. That's it. Now, how do I complete my mission? And get these down in your notes. First, I must share with those in my world. I must share with those in my world. In other words, put it in a very simple way. Where do you start fishing? Well, start fishing in the pond that God has placed you. You live in a neighborhood. You have a particular workplace. You're, you're going to school. In other words, where has God placed you? Where, where, where's the fishing pond that God has stuck you? Well, that's where you begin fishing. Uh, you remember when uh, Jesus healed and transformed the demoniac? And remember the demoniac, once he was transformed by Jesus, he asked Jesus, can I go with you uh, to follow you? And Jesus made this statement to him. He said, no. He says, return to your house, to your home, to your family, and describe what great things God has done for you. What's he saying? Just be a witness. I want you to go back home. I want you to go back to your town, to your city, and I want you to be a witness for me. I want you to tell these folks the great things that I've done for you. And then it says, and he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. So I must share with those that are in my world. But notice the next point. 
I must also dare to reach beyond my world. See, to share with those in my world, going back to the Acts 1-8 formula, that's my Jerusalem. See, my fishing pond is my Jerusalem, where God has placed me, uh, the people that I'm comfortable with. But I'm also to go reach out to Judea and Samaria, Samaria, people who are near to me, but but at the same time, they're very different from me. So I must dare to reach beyond my world. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse uh, 22, uh, reads, Whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. But notice the third thing. Not only am I to share with those in my world, and not only am I dare to reach beyond my world, I must care about the whole world. And that really brings us to this Lottie Moon Christmas offer. I must dare to reach the whole world, or care about the whole world. Uh, and this is, going back to Acts 1-8, the remotest part of the earth. Mark six fifteen says, Jesus said to His followers, Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. And, and let me, you say, well, Andy, be a little more practical. You know, you said, I, I, I start in my fishing pond. Uh, again, you know, I think we too often make this far too complicated. It begins by just simply going back to our first point about patterning your life after Jesus. First, you have to live out your, your Christian faith in front of those that you work with, in front of your family or in front of your classmates, or in front of your neighborhoods. They need to be able to see that there is something different by you. They may not have figured it out, but that they they say there is something different about this individual. They, you know, they have standards that seem to be uh, unique, that make them stand out as uh, being a little different. Uh, And and I don't quite understand necessarily why they have these standards or why they do the things uh, that they do. Uh, but you need to live out your faith and not be afraid to do that. Uh, you are a pilgrim in this world. We are strangers. Uh, we should not be easily fitting in. We should not be lukewarm. And, and a lukewarm individual is someone who can, is just tepid and can really mix with anybody. And Jesus said, those that are lukewarm, he, said, I, I, he says, I hate that more than anything else. He said, I'd rather have you just cold than lukewarm. Of course, he prefers you to be what? Hot, passionate for him, where he's your first love, your greatest passion and pursuit. And that becomes very obvious to everyone. So first, you just live out your faith. And there's going to be situations that will come up where you're going to be tempted in the workplace or wherever to compromise your faith. And that's where you take a stand for righteousness, not in a haughty way, not in an arrogant way, but it's because of who you are, because of who you love. And who you are and who you love determines your character and your values and your direction. But you don't stop there. Not only live out your faith, love people. Really love people. Realize God has put you there at the workplace, or God's put you in the school that you're in, or the neighborhood, to get to know those people. To show them that you care. And especially when they hit times of adversity reach out to them. Try to minister to a practical need. Let them know that you're sorry about what they're going through, that you do care, that you're praying for them, and show interest in their lives. And then the third thing, just look for opportunities 
as you lift these people up in prayer. And that would be the fourth thing, to lift these people up in prayer. Because, folks, I'm a firm believer in this. If you will just simply live out your faith, live out the authenticity of your faith, if you'll simply love the people that God's put you around, and if you simply will lift them up in prayer, God, I want to give you these individuals I work with or, again, my classmates. And, Lord, I'm asking you to bring them to faith in Christ. Lord, I'm making myself available. I don't know how you're going to use me, but I'm here, and I'm willing. So if, if you really begin to live out your faith, you begin to love them, you begin to lift them up in prayer, and then you just start looking for opportunities. I guarantee God's going to open doors. I guarantee He will. Some of those individuals will be going through hard times. They'll come to you, and they'll, they'll want your support, your encouragement. And it'd be a great opportunity for you to share how God has met you in grace, in your difficulty, and use as a bridge to be a witness for Christ how they can come to, to know Him. And uh, God will aid you in that. So we're to make Christ known through the pattern of our lives, through the proclamation of our lips. But also, and this is one that is often neglected when we talk about evangelism, but I think it's one of the most... Uh, powerful aspects of Christian evangelism, and that's to make Christ known through the pain of our trials, through the pain of our trials. This might provide us the greatest opportunity as believers to demonstrate to others the authenticity of our Christianity. When we're going through pain, when we're going through adversity and difficulty, and in that pain, in that darkness, they see the light of Jesus shining in and through us. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 and 6, and this is from the paraphrase, the message. It says, He, God, comes alongside us, talking about believers, His children, when we go through hard times. And before you know it, He brings us along someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. When we suffer for Jesus, it works out for your healing and salvation. Now listen, beloved, I, I, I don't know how many times I've said this from the pulpit, but this, there, there's, it's, it's, it's true. In the believer's life, I guarantee you, God's desire is to transform every pain you experience, every adversity into an open door of ministry. Just put that down. If you're hurting right now, God not only wants to bring you through this time, but He wants you to experience His grace in such a way that He's going to equip you to be a comforter to others that will allow you to build those bridges, to build those relationships, to touch people, to put you in a position to be that witness for Jesus. So don't waste your pain. We so often do. We waste our pain by withdrawing from God or by withdrawing from others. See your pain as an opportunity to embrace the cross of Jesus and to comfort others, to bring the life of God to others. You know, have you ever thought of this simple truth? If God was willing to allow His only beloved Son to suffer, bleed, die on a torturous cross 
to bring you and I salvation. Why would we become so surprised when he would allow one of his followers to suffer to bring life to others? Why should that surprise us? That God would allow us to suffer and use that backdrop of our suffering, that dark backdrop, as an opportunity to show the light of Jesus, to show others our satisfaction and our joy and the peace that Jesus can give in the midst of the storm. And don't forget, don't forget, the pain is only temporary. But the glory is what? For eternity. Uh, I love Second Corinthians chapter 4. And if you're uh, familiar with that, well, let me just give you the larger context and then get us to this, to this verse 17. This is the passage where it says, that as believers, we, can, we have the treasure of Jesus. We possess that treasure. Our hearts have become His home. But we contain that treasure in what? These very frail clay pots. That's what He calls them. And these very frail clay pots, these, these bodies of ours, they're, they're susceptible to sickness, to injury, We're subject to injustice, uh, to hurts, um, to abandonment. Uh, also, we could just go on and on. And that, the, the passage uses words like we're afflicted in these frail clay pots. We're perplexed. We're intimidated. Uh, we're often knocked down. In other words, it talks about these old frail clay pots of ours are continually getting cracked as we walk through life's adversities. Well, why would God allow that? Well, the passage tells us He allows these frail clay pots to get cracked to what? Release the light. So through those cracks, Christ's light might be released and shine upon others. And so, that's why he says that this is why we don't become discouraged. Because although this outer man is, is deteriorating, it's, it's getting cracked up, the inner man is being renewed day by day. That light continues to shine in and through us while we look not on those things which are seen, but those things which, which are what? Unseen. Those things which are eternal. And then in verse 17, he says, because momentary light affliction is producing for us, in other words, the, the affliction itself, when we use it properly as an instrument to bring the light of God to others, that affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, far beyond the pain will be the glory that will be ours. See, let, let's be honest. The world is not impressed with Christians when everything's going well and we say, thank you, God. Now, thank God there are wonderful times when all is going well. As we saw in the cake message last week, uh, there's the sweet with the yucky that's mixed into life. And God does give us those very sweet, wonderful good times, and we say thank you, but we ought to also say thank you, what, in the yucky times, the bad times, realizing that God 
is at work. See, what impresses the world is when a believer loses everything. And they demonstrate that even in the midst of that loss, they still can find joy in Jesus. They can experience peace in the midst of the storm. And not that we're immune from grief, pain, anguish, but in the midst of that, we can know His, what, settling touch. We can know the ministry of His grace because His strength is perfected, what, in our weakness. So we make Christ known through the pattern of our lives, through the proclamation of our lips, the pain of our trials, and then the last point this morning, we make Christ known through the presentation of our love gifts. And, of course, I want to apply this very specifically uh, to our giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. Look at Luke 16, verse 9. Jesus said, Now my advice to you is to use money. It was use it in the wisest way that's going to bring you back the greatest investment, is by, bottom line what he's saying, to make yourselves friends so with that when it comes to an end, when what comes to an end, your money comes to an end, you come to the end of your life, they may welcome you into the houses of eternity. You hear what Jesus is saying? He says, use your money to invest it in the advancement of God's kingdom. And then as individuals come to know Christ, You'll have this welcoming committee that will greet you in heaven, thanking you for your gift, thanking you for your participation in the spread of the gospel. That's exactly what he is saying. You know, in our Baptist churches and many other churches uh, across denominational lines, we uh, talk a lot about tithing. Uh, you know, here at Edgewood, we do not teach that uh, tithing is a legalistic duty that's put upon a Christian. Uh, we believe our giving should be uh, done out of delight uh, as an act of worship to express our appreciation, our adoration. We believe tithing, as I've shared many other times, is a good place to begin to express your gratitude, to acknowledge that God possesses you and all that you are, and to demonstrate your trust and your reliance in God. But do you know what the actual giving record is for Christians throughout the United States of America, not in, only in our Baptist churches, but I'm talking about our good, strong, supposedly evangelical churches that are solemn. The, 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 what's actually given is 2.1%. That's the actual what's given. By the average member sitting in our churches, 2.1% of their income. And, you know, it's estimated, and this is mind-blowing, it's estimated that if just the believers in the United States of America that uh, are active members in our churches, if they would just uh, consistently give uh, 10% of their income, that they would give that tithe, that would be an additional $139 billion a year that could support God's work and the advancement of his kingdom, not only locally, but globally. Uh, Keith Parks was a former uh, a president of the International Mission Board. That's the IMB, International Mission Board. That is the Southern Baptist Denomination uh, Mission Board's name. He made this statement, which is very, very true. Our materialism stands between us and winning the world to Christ. 
pennies go to winning the world while we shower dollars on our desires. Why is it we think that our personal comfort is more important than winning the lost world? You know, go to uh, the very end of your notes there and just notice some of those facts about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Let me just walk through this with you. It supports, as I mentioned earlier, right at about 5,000 missionaries serving throughout the world. Uh, you might be interested to know this, uh, that in one year, the, the, lati- the, the la- uh, last statistics we have are for, um, I think they're still compiling the 2013 statistics, but these would be from 2012. And that one year, uh, our missionaries shared the gospel with 1.7 million people. They trained 23,000 nationals to start new churches. And they helped start 6,200 new churches. They worked to rescue slaves, feed orphans, and care for the needy, and we could go there just etc., etc., etc. As I mentioned earlier, the national goal is $175 million. Our church goal is $15,000. And I trust we will not only meet that, but greatly surpass that. And I'm thankful uh, that uh, every year here at Edgewood, we have surpassed uh, our stated goal. And I pray that will happen again this year, knowing that uh, this is such a worthy offering. I, I am, I, I'm not ashamed, I'm not timid in any way uh, to aggressively make an appeal for this offering. Because I know how the monies are used, as I mentioned earlier, every single penny goes directly to the field to support the ministries. And so you know, you can absolutely know, this is, and it's a wonderful thing, that your money will actually have been translated into people coming to know Jesus. You can know that. Uh, as I mentioned, 100% of what is given is used to send and support our missionaries. So the Lottie Moon offering provides the largest portion of the International Missions Board's income which is close to 60%. Now let me just, these are just suggested levels of giving. I, these just, just sometimes this helps people, and you might want to zero on, on one area. And, and what I would recommend, pick a goal that would be a stretch for you. Let it be a step of faith, again, realizing that, that your money is going to be used to see people come to know Christ. Ask yourself, what's the worth of a single life transformed by the grace of God? And then give accordingly. One more gospel radio program. In other words... A $1,000 gift can provide one more gospel radio program to reach an unreached people group in East Asia in their native language. This is one of the most effective tools they're using with a lot of these unreached people groups where they translate their language and then they develop a radio program that's broadcast in the area that they're in and, uh, and to where they can share the gospel with them. And then that can be followed up with missionaries going into that area. Uh, here's another suggested level, $300, one more church planner. $300 is what it costs uh, to train a national, to put a national through the training that's used to send them out as a church planner. And it's very obvious that a national is going to be much more effective uh, with his own people than a foreigner. And, uh, and so $300 uh, to train a national in Southeast Asia. One more day. You might want to say, I want to give $139 because that's what it takes to support a missionary family for one day on the mission field. 
In other words, their housing, their food, just all their, all their uh, needs. Or you might say one more boat. Uh, $70 is what it costs for a boat propeller to take the gospel to remote villages in the Amazon rainforest. It's amazing the strategy that they've used there in the Amazon rainforest. They've developed a mission compound, sort of mission central, but it's actually on an island right in the middle of the Amazon uh, river forest area. And it's from that place that, and the only mode of transportation, the only way you can get in, the only way you can get out, the only way you can get to is what? By boat. And so what they use, they use these uh, uh, canoes that are basically uh, propelled by these very simple little uh, outboard motors. And for $70, you can buy a uh, boat propeller, they can buy a boat propeller that would take one more boat to reach one more village uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then this is what we're using with our children. This is being presented to our children in children's worship. We're letting you parents know that. Come along your children's uh, child's side and uh, uh, help them uh, be a participant in this effort. Uh, but one more gospel presentation. $4 for a CD card used in mobile phones to share the gospel and provide the scriptures in West Africa. What they'll do, they'll take these little SD cards and they can tailor make them to whatever group they're attempting to reach, not only with their language, but in terms of appeal and interest and different things. And this is widely being used in West Africa, which is one of the most needy areas. This is the area where Ebola has hit in a, a, a horrific way. And so they're using this SD card, and all you got and everybody has a mobile phone except your pastor. And uh, and that's true, if you don't know that. I'm one of the few dinosaurs on planet Earth that does not carry a cell phone. I just find them too distracting, and I found no one has any trouble tracking me down. But uh, they, they, they put these little SD cards out, and they give them out to these, in, and all you've got to have is a, is a cell phone, and it, it's an amazing method to uh, share the gospel and get the truth out. So those are just some suggested levels of giving. So again, as your uh, pastor one who has seen the uh, value of the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and many of the missionaries that we directly support. Many of you know Carl and uh, Chris Pearson, who have uh, ministered in a number of different areas. They uh, began in the Far East, reaching some unreached people groups there, the Torget people. And then uh, they went to East uh, Europe to minister to Chinese communities there, and now they're ministering in England. And, uh, and uh, there are other missionaries that we have a direct contact relationship with. But uh, without apology, uh, I ask you to give. And I ask you to give liberally. I ask you to give generously, knowing that the money we give will reach people for Jesus, will reach unreached people groups, will reach those natives in the Amazon River Forest or those folks in West Africa or wherever it might be. And, uh, and so you just, you just look to God. And I trust as you look to God, ask God about the level of giving. And here's some just suggestions. You, of course, give whatever, however God leads you. Uh, you give uh, accordingly, and we trust that God will wonderfully bless and will not only reach our goal, but uh, exceed our goal. And again, not just so we can say we reached our goal and exceeded it, but the most important thing is knowing that we're supporting our missionaries to reach people for Christ. But I hope the bigger picture you saw this, this morning is it's not just enough to give. We have responsibility to become a participant in sharing the gospel with others. We have responsibility. God saved you. He's blessed you to be a blessing to others. 
as you would pattern your life after Jesus, as you would look for those opportunities to proclaim Him with your lips, to be that witness, to use the pain of your trials as a backdrop to show the authenticity of Jesus to others, and then, yes, through the giving of your gifts. Father, I thank you uh, for this morning uh, as um, I've had this opportunity to challenge our people uh, uh, to participate uh, generously and sacrificially in the Lottie Moon uh, Christmas offering uh, for foreign missions. And, uh, Father, I pray that you would direct our hearts in our giving and that we would not give by human reasoning, but we would give by divine revelation. Uh, that we would give as you direct us uh, to give. And then, Father, as we give, as uh, the other churches give throughout the nation, oh, Father, we pray that there would be such an outpouring of generosity that uh, uh, we would support our missionaries as never before, uh, knowing that we're not only able to support those that are already on the field, but the more money that comes in, that's the more missionaries we can train, the more missionaries we can send out and especially to those unreached people groups that have yet to hear the precious name of Jesus and the gospel message. And then, Lord, give us grace to be a witness in the fishing ponds that you've placed us, uh, that we would, by your grace, provide through our lives a clear visualization of the gospel, and that would open that door for us to give a clear verbalization, to be that witness and to proclaim your love and your life uh, to others. So, Lord, use this for your honor and for your glory. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.